Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 89. And today's episode is sponsored by the generosity of one Mr. Dave Palace, friend of the show and supplier of all sorts of sugary treats for us to get through this episode, right? That's right. We yeah. could not do it without you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dave. This stuff is delicious and is going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me for about... Uh, <laughs> A few hours. Dave sent us a care package uh, in congratulations of the show wrapping up, and uh, we have dove into it uh, feet and hands first. It was kind of like a sample package of a bunch of treats uh, from yeah. like Pennsylvania. So there's a bunch of like Wawa coffee that was in there that I took out and left at my house, and then I brought over here to the studio. Yeah, the rest All, of it's staying at my house. Yeah, the butter cookies and stuff like that. So uh, we don't have Wawa down here. Have you ever been to Wawa? Uh-uh. It's no, like an it? East Coast, um, uh, kind of like a Seven uh, Eleven or Circle K, you know, like a stop and go or whatever you call it uh, type place. But it's a little bit more upscale, Mm -hmm. nicer, classier, friendlier. They serve all sorts of nice wines and stuff like that, but they have a really great coffee. So I'm really excited about it because when when my wife lived in Virginia, I'd go visit her up there and we'd go to Wawa every morning eating coffees and stuff like that. Really? It's hard to come by in the area in Virginia where she lived, but the Wawa coffee was really good. Uh, What did we just have here before the show started? Candy cakes, peanut uh, peanut butter candy cakes, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It was good. It was very good. Uh, I think I might just walk out in the middle of the show and grab another one. Yeah, so. same here. I don't know if you're going to have any of those for breakfast tomorrow. In so. fact, um, excuse me, excuse me, listeners, hang on. Okay, well, Brady has now exited the studio. He's going to get another one. So uh, here I am again by myself, uh, talking to myself. Uh, that is, of course, uh, the very nature of chaos. And if you want to hear more conversations like that, you need to visit our other show, Jurassic Park Minute, which I think we're on like minute number fifteen or something like that today. Uh, did you find any? Were there any left in nope, there? We're out. Oh, we're out. Okay, great. So we already have those. The butter cookies are really good, though. Yeah. You should have some of those. I was just telling the beautiful people in our listening audience about Jurassic Park Minute and how much fun that show's been oh, so far. Oh, yeah. Been a lot of fun. Yeah. A whole lot of fun to record, and it seems like everybody's having fun listening to it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's getting some pretty good feedback. So if you mm-hmm. like what you hear here and uh, you're uh, having an existential crisis because in two weeks we're going to be gone, uh, don't worry, folks. We got Jurassic Park Minute. And, uh, I don't want to say too much, but maybe some other stuff coming down the line at some point. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse than when your Movies by Minute uh, podcast ends. It sucks. But, um, you know, that's the thing, though, is that there's so many other good movies out there that I'd love to see people, you know, get some microphones, get some headphones together, and... uh, start just churning out movie, but movies by minutes podcast because one of the just things, so much fun. One of the things I like about this podcast format is that it's limited in its run from the beginning. So these mm-hmm. shows uh, don't overstay their welcome. You know, yeah. you've got about three or four months, maybe six, if they take a different approach to it. Or in the case of Lord of the Rings minutes, several years that it's going to take because I think they're doing the extended edition. So. Yeah, which is another great one. Yeah, uh, but it... Uh, there's no time for it to overstay its welcome. You know when you're getting into it that at some point it's going to end after so many months. And I hope people have had a really good time with this podcast because you and I have had a good time doing it. That's right. It's also not that much of an undertaking either uh, in recording them. I mean, you get together and you kind of, you know, um, you do these things one day at a time. I don't want to give away the industry secret. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it's not a huge, overwhelming undertaking. So, again, if it's something that you want to do... Uh, listeners, then don't be too intimidated by it. It's not that daunting, and it's so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. All right, well, we are really getting into the last uh, 20 minutes, night to 21 minutes of the movie here, so if you're ready to get into it, I am as well. No, did I say 21? I'm sorry, I meant 10. So actually 11, because today's 89. 
Math on a Friday is not something I can I can, I can work with. I told you I had a migraine headache today, That's right? That's right, yeah. And I took some medicine, and even though the pain is gone, my brain still feels pretty scrambled. So if I'm tripping over my words, I'm going to... Just forgive me. It's probably more than I usually do on this show, but... Uh, Maybe yeah, I mean, that's pretty standard practice. Yeah, exactly. Guys, so. Well, let's get into it. <laughs> All right, great. So minute number 89. Now, in the previous minute, the Ghostbusters banished Gozer from our dimension with an impressive full-length particle beam blast. After Gozer disappeared, Egon took some readings that bothered both he and Ray. At minute number 89, the Ghostbusters are looking around the rooftop of 55 Central Park West as the building is creaking and shaking. Vinkman looks up to see stone sculptures and gargoyles near the building's rooftop are beginning to shake violently. Pieces of the building are breaking and falling. At 89.04, we cut to a shot of the Ghostbusters slipping around on the building. Egon yells, Look out! At 89.10, a sculpture of a face with ram's horns on it falls from the building and smashes near the Ghostbusters. At 89.21, we cut to a low-angle shot of the building from street level where chunks of the building are now raining on onto the crowd below. At 89.24, we see debris falling near the uh, crowd of onlookers on the street. The crowd runs away as concrete chunks smash around them. At 89.30, we cut back up to a shot of 55 Central Park West, where the Ghostbusters are huddled together around the altar of Gozer. The voice of Gozer can be heard addressing the Ghostbusters as sub-creatures. Gozer goes on to say, Gozer the Gozerian, Gozer the Destructor, Volga Zildohar, the Traveler has come, choose and perish. At 89.44, we cut to a shot of the Ghostbusters looking up at the voice of Gozer coming from the the sky. Ray asks, what do you mean choose? We don't understand. At 89.50, Gozer's voice states, choose the form of the destructor. Vakeman steps forward and says he gets it and that it's very cute. And thus ends minute number 89 of Ghostbusters. So we're getting to the point now where, remember, Lewis Tully was being experimented on by Egon in an earlier minute, and he yeah. kind of went over what's gonna what's happening right here, that, you know, the uh, the Traveler had come in previous uh, instances of the same scenario and told the uh, people to choose the form of the Destructor. He came as a slore, he came as a Torb, uh, all sorts of weird stuff like that. So you would think Egon would be the one putting the information out there before Peter... I yeah. guess. I don't know. <clears throat> well, yeah, no, that makes sense because Egon did have prior knowledge. Prior knowledge yeah. of it, but you know, Peter Vakeman has his quip coming up in the next minute about J. Edgar Hoover showing up. So of course it'd be a comedic line right. delivered by him, so maybe the delivery's best coming from him. <laughs> but at this point, Egon is the guy who kind of would know any sort of history about this. So mm-hmm. and of course this is all leading up to probably the biggest comedic moment of the movie, which is the appearance of Mr. Stay Puff, right. which was a part of even the earliest drafts of Ghostbusters yeah. uh, that Dan Aykroyd had. He knew that he wanted to have this silly like kaiju at the end of the movie show up and wanted it to be uh, um, a giant marshmallow man. Which uh, I think he also had in mind several giants coming around. But uh, mm-hmm. Ivan Reitman and Harold Remus, I believe, said, uh, no, man, you should really scale it back and just have one so there's more right. emphasis on it. And that's part of that uh, kind of makeup of the, of the creative genius of this movie. You know, just having like Dan Aykroyd out there, like probably like running. I could imagine them together at Martha's Vineyard writing this movie and Dan Aykroyd just throwing out idea after idea after idea and having the two of them kind of the mind of Ivan Reitman knowing on a technical level what was going to work and what wasn't going to work and then Harold Ramis kind of like trimming down story ideas and the three of them I just love to I would have loved to have sat in that room and heard the three of those guys pitch ideas at each other and kind of whittle down what yeah. actually became Ghostbusters you know I took uh, my dad to see this um, right before the Ghostbusters 2016 came out mm-hmm. and uh, he probably hasn't seen it since the premiere date right. in 1984 uh, and he knew whenever Peter started saying, you know, whatever we think of, it's going to be. And then whenever you started to see Mr. Stapov's head barely through like the buildings as it's coming by, he was laughing his ass off. Yeah. So that had stuck with him just to give you like another example of the staying power of this film. Yeah. Uh, and the iconography of this film, 
it's still there. With someone who like doesn't really watch movies that often, mm-hmm. it's an incredible design. Um, it's hilarious, and you know, I don't know, man. It's it's a a significant pop culture icon, Mr. Stapoft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, there's so many from this movie that kind of stick in your head. You have Slimer. You the have logo. the Terror Dogs, the logo, Mr. Stapoft. Just the art design in this movie is so brilliant. But I think that probably. Of all those, I think the best designed, well, maybe the logo is the best design, but Stay Puff's got to be up there at like number two. Yeah. You know? So there's a couple of goofs in this minute. There's not a whole lot story wise going on. This, this minute is just kind of show that Gozer is gone, uh, you know, like in the Millatime moment in the previous minute, you know, like, hey, it's a celebration. Gozer's gone. Egon finds out something's going wrong. And then we see that manifest and the building starting to fall apart around them. So I'm thinking that that the building falling apart is Gozer going from corporeal humanoid form to the. Uh, the instance of becoming the traveler. So we see that a couple of goofs, the ram's head, when it falls off of the wall is actually, you can see the uh, area of matting for the green screen around it or the Mm -hmm. blue screen. I guess it would be, uh, there's actually like kind of a square around it and it falls (coughs) through that. You can kind of see through that as it falls. You know, and there's a couple of moments here at the big climax where you can see the mat work or the green screen, you know, uh, whatever it is, it kind of shows, which you cannot hold it against it. No, no. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, the the time. Um, There's also some moments in Star Wars where, uh, and the ones that are coming to mind is like Empire Strikes Back when these snow speeders are flying over the snow and you can see through the cockpit. Yeah. You can see the the, at legs. Yeah. The things like that. And, uh, Man, to get off on kind of a little tangent here, it's so important that those things are kept in movies and not George Lucas out of them. Uh, Because I think it's part of what gives the film kind of its soul, so to speak. I know that Steven Spielberg spoke on this um, a few years ago when he was asked about possibly doing a re-release of Indiana Jones with uh, enhanced special effects or, you know, whatever. And um, he made the example with, uh, I believe it was the original War of the Worlds that had the wires that are just so visible mm-hmm. in it. And he made a point to say, like, that's part of what the movie is. Right. It's not, a movie isn't necessarily what's going on in the movie. It's the movie as the whole. Well, you know, I don't want to take the side of the revisionist uh, director who goes back and continues to do, you know, to improve on his work. But I will say that... Uh, there's kind of a schism in the Star Wars fan base. I know you and I are original trilogy guys. You know, we grew up in the original trilogy was being re-released in theaters. I think I was actually live when, well, when Return of the Jedi came out. But after us, there was a period of kids who grew up with just the prequels. And the, when they were young, the prequels were cool movies to them, and they really appreciated it. And the classic Star Wars trilogy, episodes five through seven... Uh, are considered like old movies to them. They don't look at them in the same light. So I think mm-hmm. probably some of what George Lucas was trying to do by putting new special effects in there is retroactively making it easier for a young kid to get into. It makes it look a little bit more like the previous did. Together, yeah, yeah so yeah. I, but I, I understand from like uh, a long-lasting 100-year plan that I think he had for, for Star Wars. I understand where he was coming at from that direction. But mm-hmm. yeah. at the same time, yeah, I would not want to see somebody, Ivan Reitman, go back and like fix, I'm using air quotes here, fix these special effects in Ghostbusters because mm-hmm. it's not necessary. And, and yeah, it's so small. It's just it's just a second. You not know? necessary also in the fact that the particle beams like look just as good as anything you're yeah. seeing in movies today, mm-hmm. I think. So, but that is a different tangent for a different day. So we have another spot here where a chunk of concrete uh, falls onto the crowd below and yeah, smashes into the Police barricade yeah, and just bounces off. So yeah. we a giant piece of concrete like that would just smash right through the barricade. So yeah, that was kind of funny. But uh, 
yeah, that's all I really noticed in in that minute. Uh, it's really like we said, it's just kind of scene setting for letting the Ghostbusters know that something dire is about to happen. It's coming mm-hmm. around the corner, yeah. preparing the audience for the big Stay Puff reveal here in a couple of minutes. So, yeah, but that's all that's going on. It's all I've got. All right, folks. Well, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for minute number ninety. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady, and we're here to remind you that death is but a door. Time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.